Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt and joining me direct from the plastic spoiler prison where he has grown a sizable beard, it's Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Tonight's podcast of episode 201 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. entitled Shadows is brought to you by NyQuil. Not even the night-night gun could help you out with the cold. You need NyQuil. And the pores in this plastic prison have not prevented Matt from bringing me the cold. Although we have had some good games of chess in this plastic prison. Oh, wait. Sorry. That's another completely other film and movie TV property thing. Yes. But um, it's, we've yeah, only been allowed to play checkers. Pete, kudos to you. Uh, I said to you a couple hours ago, like, hey, we're both under the weather. You, What do you want to do about that? And you're like, we podcast after the show. That's what the listeners expect. That's what they deserve. So I, I think we're both psyched. I mean, we're both under the weather. Hopefully our our, our dulcet tones will be uh, be back for 202. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm energetic. I'm ready to jump on into this bad boy. Let's do it. Okay, our debrief segment where we catch you up on what went down. We begin season two, not in 2014, but in Austria in 1945. Hey, that's like that Captain America movie. You know what it's like? It's like another TV show coming from Marvel a little later this year, early in 2015, called Agent Carter. Um, but Hydra here and uh, the baddies, not everything is an antique to them. And the obelisk quickly uh, shows itself the subject of much of this episode. Uh, Peggy Carter, Dum Dum Dugan... Um, the Asian gentleman from the SSR who apparently goes by the name of Jim, um, all show up. This is but a preview of the type of action we'll see in Agent Carter, smartly placed here at the beginning of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2. Indeed, and Pete, maybe I'm just not used to seeing the Marvel logo, but I thought that it went from its kind of newer 3D swishy thing to been kind of flattening, which I thought was maybe like a way to kind of go back in time to prepare you that we're going back in time. Um, but that scene, that scene kind of as a self-contained, obviously springboard to January when Agent Carter uh, starts its limited run of eight episodes. Uh, I thought it was going to be gimmicky, even though I was looking forward to it, and it was just fantastic. It really was. It was, and, you know, the ability to bring that into this story not in a forced way but in an organic sense given what they're doing and recreating shield in the ssr image um less centralized more fragmented in the shadows uh if you will um you know it really worked for me we fast forward to alexandria virginia in the present day and there's a buy of some classified material, including a picture of a box, the first 084 box. So 084001. Ooh, wow. Well, well stated. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, it doesn't go to plan. We are quickly introduced to our 
new members of S.H.I.E.L.D., although they are also described as mercenaries. Uh, Isabella Hartley, Lance Hunter, a guy named Idaho, and the Absorbing Man uh, breaks all of this up when he is the extra security guard this guy did not bring. That was a really nice um, bit of storytelling to just keep the pace going. I think that there very clearly was an attempt in this episode from beginning to end to just push the pace and, and to keep it moving. Uh, I think they took a, a, a page from the uh, the Lost Pilot uh, playbook, and I don't think we had a commercial, maybe for the first 15 minutes or so, maybe the first 10 minutes. Um so that just fed the pace that it's like, I only brought three guards, boom, instant, or I only brought two guards, boom, instant fight scene, instant resolution from, you know, our shield pals. And uh, with that, you know, we're off to the races. We're in the playground is where uh, Colson and company have set up shop. It's where the, we last saw them uh, wind up in May. Um with one of the many Koenig clones or whatever we're going to refer to him at this point until we're really kind of given a, uh, a, uh, <clears throat> a title for them. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, triplet is watching, um, ABC and Brigadier General, uh, Talbot is being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos, an actual member of the fourth estate. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it was synergy there for the grasping, you know. But it, it, as with any time that you get these, um, you know, these real news people, it just adds a certain level of uh, you know realism and and validity to uh, whatever you're doing. And it just it sold it as you know Talbot as the talking head for the military that's calming everyone in this post Shield era. It's funny. It's gone back and forth. If I could just speak to that for a little bit as a former member of the media. Media organizations have gone back and forth from you're allowed to do that, you're not. Now they're allowed to do it, apparently. It's just interesting to see it go over the last 18 to 20 years, that policy of uh, you know winding up in non-news platforms. I wonder how many times Stephanopoulos tripped over S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA and things like that in the recording of it. <laughs> We uh, we continue on with, uh, you know, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents settling into their new digs. Um, you know, Coulson talks about how he's been busy and he is clearly isolated now in this new role as director of the In Tatters Shields. Um, he talks about having been to London. Uh, he found some allies um, May, ever the uh, down-to-business woman, talks about uh, how Hartley's people are mercenaries. And then we get some tugging on the old heartstrings. Well, with... Pete, before we get to that, if I could just, just make one quick comment. We, over the years, whether it's talking about S.H.I.E.L.D. or some of the previous shows that we've discussed or shows that were live tweeting, whatever it is, we keep talking about this need the shows have this narrative need for exposition to kind of explain things to the audience um which sometimes contrasts you know like average people don't sit there and go you know well pete so today we're gonna do da 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 um this was great exposition this was built into the story so deeply that you kind of couldn't 
like it wasn't in your face that they're like all right everyone at home this guy's in charge and she watches him and he go it was just like hey it's after a mission it's time to just you know to get caught up on what's happened um to get caught up on what went down as you might say and um you know so pete four stars for uh kind of their expositionary tools there yeah i mean it's a necessary ill um we've still got to understand names and get a sense of character despite the fact they've been around one another for a while we haven't so we've got to get that feel for it and then we get to tug in on the old heartstrings with fitz and not simmons as was (laughs) revealed to us at the end of the episode Um, it's genuinely tough to kind of laugh at that and i know it's all pretend tv and this is an action adventure or whatever that it's tough it's tough to laugh at that because that was such a a wallop which of course we'll we'll discuss in a bit well i i say i'm not sure how i feel about it but i'm pretty sure how i feel about it the way that they you know blocked it okay so fitz is standing there um the first time we see him the uh edges are a little soft of the shot Okay, it's a little blurry and, you know, Simmons is trying to talk to him and he's not responsive. And we're like, oh, boy, here we go. You're looking at his eyes and then, oh, he had earplugs in. That's what it was. Then there's some some chatter. There's talk of meds. He's doing such a great job. Okay, it really felt like they were yo-yoing you back and forth a little bit. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm. When I say I'm yeah, not like, sure how I he, feel about he's it, he's mostly okay. I am he's sure how I feel not, about you know. it, and you know, I, I I thought they took advantage a little bit. I get, you know, having to portray the seriousness of what he's been through, but just give us, he's not right, not ah, we got you. He's he's okay. No, he's not. But he is. I mean, makes sense. I hear what you're saying. I think that in that he has always been the most um, passive character of the bunch, you know, the least, the least, you know, secret agenty. Um, I, I think, you know, we we felt his injury. You know, they they chose him to be injured because because uh, you know we would be sympathetic most towards him. Um, but that, of course, was the question. I think you know, maybe at the top of the list or near near the top of the list for most people, what is his status? And then to find out, oh, it looks like it's not as bad. Oh, okay, it's just kind of like a stroke type thing. Like, you know, obviously they're not going to have him, you know, in like a wheelchair, beep, beep, you know, yes and no. <laughs> um, because eventually he's going to be back, you would assume. He'd, he'd be up to 100%. Um, I think the fact that they were able to sixth sense simmons and which is a trick that now everybody knows but the whole time it's just like oh hey she's kind of still dressing the way she used to in the last season oh well you know that she's 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 english and oh she's just off to the side when he's just watching everybody well she's kind of tending to him they don't need her at the moment i thought that it was a completely effective um blind side and i feel like you pull it off and you know the aim is to punch you in the gut. You punch me in the gut. Good job. Yeah. When when I look at it under that, I'm fine with it. But 
I don't know. It felt like a cheap shot going back and forth. Oh, he had the earplugs in, uh, but he's on the meds. You know what I'm saying? But it, it is what it is. And his story is really going to come into play. The, the thing that they're, you know, doing this season is, well, what will he become? What will she become? And, you know, the future of this organization with S.H.I.E.L.D. is very much up for grabs. And they have to find their way going from having a multi-trillion dollar, you know, uh, agency to being on the run. And his issue certainly complicates things. Um, But when the rest of you find out where Simmons has gone, I think things might be a little different for you. Oh, my. I can't even I can't even imagine Pete. Although I can imagine that you had a smile on your face when they made reference to Koenig's other brothers. I just thought that was a nice little way to say, yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah, we're going to do something with it. Hang on. Time out. We're not going to deal with it right now. Uh, your thoughts, Pete? Definitely. I mean, we've speculated from the time that we first saw him that this would be something that came up. You kill him off and then he shows back up in the finale. And now the fact that you could take Patton Oswalt and continue to reuse him, I think it's a it's a good thing. This is a better show with 10 or 11 people as part of the cast, whether you want to say guest cast, recurring cast, you know, full time cast, however, you know, however, the, the, the Hollywood lawyers define it and the contract and this and that, the other to have this many people in the show. It's a markedly better opportunity and it's something i don't know that we're necessarily going to repeat in the course of this podcast but you have all these different combinations of characters that can you know that that can play off of each other and it's 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 a better kind of more um well-knit uh group well i gotta tell you while i agree with that statement there was a sizable absence of presence in this episode for me other than having ward in one scene and you know matt you threw him kudos during the live tweet we'll do it here too okay uh brett dalton absolutely owned that scene um he was both reviled and uh potentially redemptive and give me more of that please absolutely i mean he he's such a talented actor and you know, for much of the first half of last season, obviously he was kind of the strong man. Um, and then obviously they used his his acting talents, you know, for that that just wonderful uh, you know, twist that occurred. But this was just par excellence uh, in terms of his acting. I mean, you know, as you said, any thread they want to take, and you know, the assumption is he's gonna be redeemed at some point. Episode any seven they want to take episode oof. seven. But whatever the pace, whatever the reason it's all open. Like if, if, if he's going to be kind of redeemed, but then, oh my goodness, he just, you know, shot fits and, or, you know, something like that. You'd believe it again. It's, it's, you know, almost was kind of that, uh, you know, kind of a schizophrenic beneath the surface, but not kind of the whole, you know, golem, you know, let's do this, smeagle this, you know, it wasn't on the surface. It was just deep. It was behind the eyes. 
So kudos, uh, Brett Dalton. We have no idea how long he's been involved, D. We have no idea of passage of time from season one to season two. Sky is very clearly bonded with May. And um, again, that necessary exposition that Ward picks up on because she's favoring one side or another under May's tutelage. Um, well, Pete, there was reference was made to I uh, later on Talbot says to Colson, "I've been chasing you all winter" or something like that, and which made me say, "Ooh, like I, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has, has, to me has seemed to always be concurrent to when it's released." Correct. Um, so are we perhaps? You know, are we a couple months away from Avengers Age of Ultron? You know, that's what I'm starting to wonder. Is this January, February, March, somewhere in there? And we're just going to get a ton, you know, this is going to be a 20-day season um, that the episodes play out over. And it, this all just really quickly heads to to either Avengers or 2 or Ant-Man or both. Avengers is very clearly the next chapter in the story and what happens there with Tony Stark's program um, and really kind of picking up the pieces for shield. I don't think they're bold enough to, to hit you with the, the three week season. Um, I want to believe it's in real time. Remember that, you know, the episode right after uh, Captain America, the winter soldier was called Providence. And that was the one in which they went to the, the uh, snowbound base there um, called Providence. True, true. So, and Talbot wound up there at one point. So maybe that was kind of a, a cheeky reference there. Um, okay, fair enough. You know, <clears throat> we, we've talked in our season two preview ab about, you know, Agent Ward and what this means for him. Uh, um, I'm really glad they addressed the 800-pound gorilla in the room with, you know, looking at his arm, uh, talk of a button, later a um, <clears throat> a piece of paper that he tried to take his life with. Um, we get the beard is TV code for bad. But come on, man. You can't, you can't throw him a Norelco or something. He's going to turn that into a weapon? Really? I I just thought that it was a scene where it shows such confidence in him as an actor because you're saying we're not going to cut away to a flashback where you take the button. We're not going to cut away to a flashback where it's the pointy paper. You just nail it in, you know, nail it in one take or nail it in as many takes as you need, but you're telling this story right here. It's not it's not visual, it's in our imagination, which of course makes it worse. Um and I mean, good job for the show having the confidence in him to just carry that moment and carry his pathos. Well, Sky and Ward had been so close and there was this burgeoning love story and, and that will still come into play. <clears throat> but the anger she has for him and just as he's about to say, you know, I have so much to tell you about your father. She closes the <laughs> the thing. The uh, the cell door there, and you know, there's all sorts of talk from Koenig about the security procedures that they have in place, and you knew where she was going the minute that that was explained. But to see it and to have it play out, I thought it was well acted by both, 
And, um, you know, that's not something we've normally said, uh, Matt in particular, when it comes to uh, Chloe Bennett. Well, Chloe Bennett and Sky being two separate entities. I mean, yes, uh, in in the, the, the fall set of episodes from season one. I was definitely kind of anti-Sky. I mean, I have, I have no problem with Chloe Bennett's acting of, of the character. Um, this was a different Sky, obviously a more seasoned Sky. And um, I will disagree with something you said slightly, Pete. I didn't quite know where she was going. I thought that the way that when she was handed the pad, um, yes, I had seen the preview that you know he, it was Ward in quote-unquote chains. It was Ward, in, you know, captured, that kind of thing. The fact that they're keeping him in the basement, like that, there's something a little unsettling about that. That, like, you know, they go to bed after a mission and like Ward's down there. Hey, what if there's a power failure? What if he figures a way out? What if he, what if today's the day he finally runs into that, you know, hollow wall enough times to bang his head open? All of that, there's kind of background to, to, the fact that they have him down there, um, which from you know from a military operational point of view, I get, but it's just kind of like there's something dark to Director Coulson's tenure of Shield. Um, necessary, yes, um, but slightly unsettling. It, you know, in a dramatically positive way, I enjoyed it as a you know as a viewer, as a consumer, but to to immerse myself into that world, there's just something not quite right with with shield still well i mean we can talk about that in the way they went about the mission here with uh brigadier general uh talbot you know trip plants a phone in his pocket and then they let him know he's in danger that way that wouldn't have never happened with the old shield they would have been able to get word to him even then the absorbing man still shows up and uh you know does some damage before they get him in the car and, and may is there to kind of put the cuffs on him. Um, you know, that was the, the real sweetness and light in an overall dark episode in terms of tone with, you know, the, uh, what did he call it? Their honeycombed kill chamber (laughs) (laughs) that, uh, you know, was that on the bus? We never saw an exterior of the bus. I agree we didn't see an exterior. Am I correct in saying that when Sky was laying by the alien writing that that was the big I thought know, that hollow too, pool table? I thought that we didn't see it. Um, you know, kept me guessing a little bit with that. Here's my suspicion. Here's my suspicion. The show doesn't want to spend a lot of time lingering on, you know, the bus that they're apparently not going to use anymore because they have a, a proper home base and they have, you know, now the Quinjet to get where they have to go. I think it was a, I think it was an acknowledgement to our viewers and also probably just a financial acknowledgement. Um, yes, there's still, yes, there's this thing that's sitting in the hangar. Look, the glass is still cracked. They're not really using it. It's still just as fine as an office and a cell and this and that, the other. But if you, if you recognize it from last season as the bus that we're not using anymore, great. If you're new to the show or just a casual viewer, you're going to be like, look, there's their interrogation room. There's their scientific CSI big screen bloopity bloop room. You know, it kind of it serves both new and old masters, if you will. Right. Um, 
I just felt that was a little bit unclear. But, you know, to have Colson face off against Talbot and the relationship between what they represent, both of them at this point, was good. Um, and then to bring it forward in the way they do, um, you know, putting him, having Colson shoot him and then sticking him in the car in his underwear. Um, that was good stuff. And with a quick cut too, he's out, he wakes up. I just thought that, that was, uh, I don't, I don't want to say cute cause that kind of underplays it, but it was narrative efficiency. It was keeping that pace going. Boom. He's out. <gasps> he suddenly wakes up. He does, he has no sense of even having been asleep. He just suddenly snaps awake. It was, it was, I mean, again, it kind of it kept the story moving, but also was like, oh, yeah, they did just kind of like drug him with the night night gun, then dump his butt somewhere. Right. Um, again, that little bit of cruelty almost. Ultimately, Coulson's team winds up in this warehouse looking for the obelisk. Um, Hartley makes the foolish decision to touch it. And uh, Matt, you called it that she was going to lose <laughs> the arm. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to lose her. In this episode, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's something we can certainly discuss in level seven. I don't think you're dead on this show until you're dead. They've had a funeral for you, and it's been a couple episodes later. Um, certainly can bring you back there. But, you know, the mission was twofold, as, as we learned. It was to get this dangerous piece of technology in which they failed. The absorbing man made off with it. Um, after absorbing the properties of Detroit when he touched the car. And then the Quinjet, the the cloaking device Quinjet that will now enable them to disappear. Um, so as it should be, a proper Pyrrhic victory at the end of the first episode in this new shield. Uh, agents down. The fifth stuff, which we're going to examine in a little bit more detail in level seven, everything going on there. And, you know, all right, you got the plane that can disappear, but things aren't good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a dire situation. Part of what I thought was so inspired to have Talbot uh, return and what I can only assume is going to be, um, you know, more of a recurring role than last season it puts the pedal to the metal story-wise because now S.H.I.E.L.D. has pressure from both ends. They're fighting the real bad guys in HYDRA, but now they're also fighting, you know, the status quo, man, the military. Um, so they're just caught in the middle. You can't get a break from, from one end to the next. So, um, I, I mean, th to me, this was an excellent episode. I, I certainly don't mean to throw rocks at the beginning of the first season because we all understand that there needed to be the evolution and the understanding of what Marvel TV was going to be. But like, I feel like this is the show that we were hoping for from day one last season. They had to earn this. They couldn't go right into it. And, you know, I've <clears throat> read a lot of interviews with the producers talking about the Hydra big bad for the end of the year. And, you know, they had to call it the H word and everything. And they had to be very cagey. And, you know, we're all building towards Avengers for this year. And that's the trajectory. So, you know, just 
accept that things are going to not be good for this group of people. We have to, you know, this is the Empire Strikes Back. This is where you put everybody in the worst possible position of their life before it can get better. And um, you can't begin that way. You've got to introduce people. You've got to bring them together. And then you've got to break them apart. And that's what this season is all about. And, and I totally agree with with everything that you said. Um, and regardless of how long it you know took for the show to find its feet, which is the phrase everybody uses, I mean, wow, we're here. This, in a certain sense, is a make-or-break season in that um, something like 95% of shows that get season three also get season four because you're, even with declining ratings, there's the incentive to kind of get enough for syndication and all of that. So in a certain sense, this is a make-or-break season. If you can make it through this season and get a thumbs up, next stop, you've done 100 episodes. And, you, you know, from, from there, the sky's the limit. If, if, if there's, <laughs> no pun intended, of course. Um, but, I mean, wow. What, 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 what great pace, what great energy to have started uh, the second season with. If what I've seen from this point is any indication, they will make it through season two with flying colors. Let's hope. With that, Pete, let's move on to our next segment. The Dossier. Okay, our dossier, a detailed look at our bad guys. First up tonight, Carl Creel, a.k.a. The Absorbing Man. I like that they went one-dimensional with him, except for the special effects that were three-dimensional. <laughs> Just let him be Jaws, man. Let him be, he's got a. He's got this mission. What does he get for payment? He gets interesting, you know, uh, textures that he can sample. <laughs> That's all I need. Like, there's enough going on in this episode with introducing uh, three new characters, um, checking in on another six, characters, uh, Presumably, two characters not making it to the end. One character was never there. I mean, you're plenty busy. Just have it be a guy who's just like, oh, man, I love the Botswana diamonds. They're just, they feel so good when I turn into, that's all I need. And that's what he does. And he goes and does secret, like, fine. That's that's all I needed. He was wonderful as a bad guy to keep tension on our heroes this episode to be to be an agent of the uber villains and just absolute home run special effects included movie class special effects one after another oh definitely i mean there was the death lock idea in the first season of you know this threat this assassin in the sense of uh mike peterson and you know we'll see him again but to, like you said, to get that one-dimensional tough with, um, you know, Carl Creel here, who we learn was a boxer who, you know, had this ability. We got it from Ward. Uh, Garrett turned him. And, uh, you know, he's out there. Many other threats like him are out there. There's not a whole lot to say about him. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. We don't need a complex villain in this episode, given the amount of adversaries that S.H.I.E.L.D. has out there with Hydra. I mean, when 
they discover the hidden channel and they're looking at the map. Okay. And there's red dots all over the globe. And yeah, that, I mean, that, that's again, your blueprint for seasons to come. <laughs> well, that's, that's this season. I, I do think, you know, the Hydra stuff has a shelf life because if, true, true. if you, if you belabor, Oh, we got all these bad guys out there all over the place. You know, that'll get tedious. There'll be a very defined arc with S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA and then move into something else. Um, But to just see what they're up against, that to me was the biggest moment of this episode was here is the scale of what we are talking about. We know that HYDRA is involved in um, Avengers Age of Ultron. We've seen from the footage at the end of uh, Captain America where they have volunteers and the twins in the sense of uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch that they've been experimenting with. So, you know, there are absorbing men and, you know, Scarlet Witches and, and guys who can run really fast into stuff all over the globe that you know, Hydra now has their hands on after places, facilities like the fridge and, you know, the sandbox and all these other shield, uh, you know, uh, depots were raided. Indeed, indeed. Pete, who else is on your dossier? Well, General Talbot certainly has to wind up there. While I think, and we had that scene to really show how much he has in common with Coulson, He's a foil at this point, and he's a uh, he's an adversary to be reckoned with, given that he has the actual support of uh, the taxpayers and the government, whereas Shield <laughs> does not. You know, uh, much was made in a couple reviews I read heading into tonight about, wow, you know, Shield is is really on the run, yet they can still pay their dry cleaning bills, and uh, you know, they're still getting terawatts of information and you know who's foot the bill here and and everything there and and we get that okay it's tv they've got to show us the gadgets right right and everything you know if if the, if they were going to do reality agents of shield we know it would be much different uh than what it is but you know talbot as you said before he he represents the establishment that's the man and right now Shield has enemies both within and without, and having to operate in that gray area, which is where they got their start. Coulson's going to be able to take them back to their roots, hence the SSR motif here, hence the idea of Peggy Carter, and you know, these techniques that Coulson we already know is a fan of. Uh, loves the the old gadgets and the nostalgia and Captain America and everything there. And it's really a logical extension of everything that he is. What's great about Talbot, too, in addition to just the fact that the actor is wonderful and just seems so committed to this notion that he's just kind of a, a hard-edged, no-nonsense military guy. Um, but what's great about the character also is he really isn't a villain. You know, he's in opposition to our hero. But, I mean, there's nothing that Talbot is doing that we've seen so far that makes him 
the bad guy that makes him, you know, uh, objectively evil. Right. Shield had this massive problem and, you know, the solution was crush Shield. I don't necessarily disagree, you know, from that. If I transplant myself as a fictional taxpayer in the MCU, yeah, this isn't this is a, a an organization that needs to be shut down completely because they almost killed me. You know, those helicarriers almost, you know, blasted, you know, special folks like me, you know, out of the uh, off the face of the earth. So he's just doing I mean, he's doing his version of right. Um, and it's nice to give that pushback against shield as well, that it's two organizations doing different rights along with the, you know, black and white, good and evil of shield versus Hydra. Definitely. And, you know, I think Ward really belongs on our dossier still because despite the imprisonment going on, there's a little bit of a Hannibal Lecter quality there. There's the ability for him to get into Sky's head. She clearly knows that. She really wants nothing to do with him. But as her discussion with Coulson makes it plain, this is the first of many visits she's going to pay him in vault d and i think it's also not clear and and that's a that's a compliment but it's it's not clear are some of these awful things that he's been through his suicide attempts that could also all be a game too you know this could just be the super long con and he knows you can cut right by the vein and get lots of blood but it's not going to be a gusher you know that you can run to the wall and get a really good bruise but you're not going to give yourself a a a concussion etc etc um there's that possibility too and it's just absolutely delicious like we can't trust him even though we want to and we anticipate it um it's it's just great that with him he remains on the dossier i mean frankly when when he comes back and they have thanksgiving dinner and whatnot he still is going to be on the dossier in terms of like got to keep an eye on him (laughs) With that, Pete, let's keep it moving and head to our next segment. All right, time to analyze and theorize. First up, Matt, the obelisk device very clearly has uh, the same, they call it graffiti. Creefiti, like graffiti. Creefiti, I get it. That's good. That the uh the Cree alien had on him that Coulson has been drawing that Sky was laying on top of the table featuring was even shown that, very quickly yep, Agent yep. Carter picked up the lid of or closed the lid of the box and there was part of a blue person with some of that writing on there. So what is this obelisk? I mean, I think it's difficult. It's difficult to know exactly. Uh, I mean, the fact that it appeared to completely burn away or completely turn to ash these uh, the, the different Hydra Nazis that we saw in the nineteen forties portion, but Hartley was able to forestall it. Like it, it, it seemed to me that she was able to push back. That, yeah. That, oh, I that, think that, that turning. I think you're definitely on to something there, Matt. 
So is this kind of you know like a Lord of the Rings type thing that it it, it oh, brings God. you know it it will corrupt you or is this kind of more of a of a Green Lantern type thing where what is in your heart it will reveal you know so she's a better person than the Hydra Nazis so you know but obviously still you know a dark secret agent you know et cetera et cetera um, I'll, I'll I'll throw a hail mary here Pete does it come back perhaps as one of the the Infinity Gems. If it is a Cree thing, I don't think they would, at first, introduce the any of the Infinity Gems on the TV show. Um, but that's an interesting uh, idea. It doesn't seem gem-ish either. I mean, it's a it's a device. It's you know, it's it's meant to do something rather than you know to be coveted and, and part of a larger thing. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. I found it interesting that Peggy Carter brought up having to watch over Stark and others who would toy with this technology. So, you know, much was made in Captain America, you know, by Steve Rogers about the fun doing but she's <laughs> she's very clearly not comfortable with the science types. She's a soldier. Right, um, right. And that's part of, you know, it's so analogous to the world that Shield is now operating in. You know, there's the hitting you over the head with cloaking equipment and things like that. Okay, you can make stuff disappear and, and all that. And we've seen that before in the Avengers and, you know, th- with the helicarrier. But this original 084 and what it represents and some interesting references to Madagascar to Budapest, two places that have a pretty significant history in and will have more of a history, if I can make that clear. Um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, those are threads to be pulled on. Can you imagine what it's like for somebody not in the know? And they're like, oh, that's cool. They brought back Agent Carter for like a thing. That's neat. And then they're just going to get blown away sometime in November when S.H.I.E.L.D. starts running, you know, or during the S.H.I.E.L.D. time slot, they start running promos for Agent Carter. It's going to be like, it's all connected, you know. It's uh, to, to be so to be so new to such things. To be so naive, man. I mean, well, I, don't <clears throat> I don't suffer <laughs> fools, Matt. I also don't suffer people who, who don't pay attention to what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not true. aware, there's an Agent Carter TV show. I mean... You've been living under a rock. I mean, this is a this is a big deal. <laughs> this is a bold gambit, and you know you're going to call yourself a fan. I think there's certain things you got to be a no on, and that is okay. It, it it goes like this: Agents of Shield, Agent Carter, Daredevil for the foreseeable future. Hey, that works for me. That works for me. What else do we have for level seven? Is Hartley dead? I say yes. I say that she's dead. I think, am I prepared to be wrong next week? Sure. I'll tell you this. Idaho, that was full on like a rubber mask 
that they had smashed between the seat rest and something else. Like Idaho is definitely gone, um, which is funny because the whole time I'm like, wait, I, I didn't know about him being new. I didn't know about this. Um, I think she's probably dead. And that's kind of, you know, it's a comparison I use a lot. I think that's kind of your Janet Lee moment of like, oh, man, Xena's going to be in it. I mean, heck, in our preview, I said, she, who knows? It could be 20 episodes. And that was kind of an extreme <coughs> estimation. But maybe she'll, maybe she'll, it'll be one of these recurring characters who you can't tell the difference between guest star and, and main cast. Um, but yeah, I think, I think she's dead and gone with. I think that, that was just the big, let's make a big splash. You're going to be like, oh, cool. She's joined it. Nope. That there's your, you know, there's your death. There's your reminder that anyone can die. You just do it with a recognizable face who's a guest star this week. I mean, she looked dead, but, you know, the the magnitude of a guest star who's held down several uh, starring roles on other shows, uh, I, I'm going to say we'll see her back. I mean, uh, who's to say that the same life-sucking qualities this obelisk uh, device apparently possesses can't give her the magic to survive a, a brutal car crash where absorbing man turned into uh asphalt (laughs) (laughs) maybe she has sisters the way Koenig has brothers there you go (laughs) how about our secret scene um you know the, the again the hydra undercurrent we have uh you know guys at the top of the show in the uh the cold open with uh you know the uh, the Nazis and everything. This Doctor Whitehall, same guy. Oh, absolutely. I think yeah. it's absolutely meant to be. My immediate assumption was the same freezy cryo technology that uh, that the winter you know ha- has allowed the Winter Soldier okay. to not age um, is also allowing him to kind of you know jump through time, if you will. Well, uh, could that be connected to this obelisk? Ooh, I hadn't thought of that. The arm, it really, very clearly, uh, a, a uh, an allusion to what the Winter Soldier's been through. Yeah, yeah. It was it, a pretty it, brutal shot, too, to see the, you know, calcified arm there with this device sitting in it. Oh, it absolutely was. And, I mean, there even was the quickest of edits where... where um, uh, what's his name? Hunter? Is that his name? Yeah. The Lance next Hunter. blood character. Um, he was, you know, bringing the knife to her arm. It's just that that that, that briefest moment of, you know, she was biting in your the, mind. You're filling in blood and guts and bone and all that. Um, all in all, just, you know, really, uh, really well done scene there. But yeah, I think I think there's just so much there's so much in this episode that's kind of propelling us uh, for the future. So speaking of the future, Pete, let's move on to our final segment. And Pete got two uh, two quick ones here. First of all, our pal Mike Sorensen asks, um, "I think this is the first uh, official reference to the name Quinjet. Am I wrong?" I don't believe it's been said in any of the movies yet. So that unofficially, I'm going to say he's correct. Well, Pete, if you say that about Mike's comment, then uh, I guess we can make it just about just about gospel. Uh, next, Pete, uh, a comment kind of echoing our own sentiments. This is from ZP International on Twitter. 
he said, well, he used a slightly different word. I'll say darn it, because we, we like to keep our clean rating. But darn it, I was hoping Lucy Lawless was going to last longer than one episode. Um, so hopefully uh, ZP International takes a little uh, solace in, in the notion that uh, you say she'll stick around. I think we'll see more of Elizabeth Hartley. Well, Pete, if people want to maybe not see more of you, but hear more of you, where can they do that? Well, 4,199 followers can't be wrong. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-R. K-E-T-E-L-A-R. Pete, I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost. If you'd like to share your thoughts about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the podcast, you can get in touch with Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH. You can visit our .com, Gmail, and Twitter. And with that, Pete, as we uh, have wrapped up the first one of these, first of, I guess we're assuming about 20 for S.H.I.E.L.D. and 8 for Agent Carter in this uh, in this uh, new TV season, I will say, Ofita send to all our listeners and give you the traditional final word. Go dark. Go dark.